You see, you seem to be having like a very a very British outlook on it. Of it is what it is. I have to admire that. It drives my wife crazy, but <laughs> it is what it is. But it is what it is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern podcast. After about a month of speculation, Bayern Munich finally confirmed on Wednesday the signing of 30-year-old superstar Sadio Mane from Liverpool, arguably the club's biggest signing in the past decade. With that deal finalized, will the Bavarians now stay active in the transfer market and push for another player to help fill the gap that will be left behind by Robert Lewandowski should he leave, or will they take a step back and let Julian Nagelsmann's tactics do the work? Well, I'm Benjamin Scott. I'm here to talk about all of that and a little bit more with my friends, Tim Richards. Hello there. And Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Well, we were just talking uh, just a second ago before the episode started uh, about something I've been dealing with. I had ACL surgery on Wednesday, which uh, wasn't ideal, but I came out of surgery Wednesday morning to the news that Bayern Munich had finally signed Sadio Mane. So that made that uh, not, not so great day a little bit better but it is officially official Mane is is a Bayern player and it, it, it kind of feels weird to say because I think that this is the biggest signing that Bayern have made in in, in a really really long time uh, and so I just want to kind of start by talking about the magnitude uh, of this deal uh, Sebastian do you agree you know is this really a more significant signing than we've seen Byron make in probably over a decade. You know, is he bigger than the likes of James Rodriguez, Felipe Coutinho even? Uh, is this just the biggest deal that we've seen Byron make in a long time? Maybe what was the last deal that you could think of that Byron pulled off that was of this magnitude? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I guess the first the first benchmark here that comes to mind is Leroy Sané. Um, but I would clearly say uh what what's what the important uh, most important difference between those two is of course while Sané was younger Mane is on top of his game he is as good as he has ever been while Sané came of a huge injury so we really need to keep that in mind there um this is really one of the best players in the world coming to Bayern uh before kind of losing anything he has not been he's not been getting worse anything at all i think we can be positive that he's going to stay this good for a while um so whatever comes to mind for most other players you would kind of say either they they were younger hadn't shown the full extent of their skills yet or they were kind of slightly in a different position like thinking of people like Ian Robin or something who were not like starters at their club necessarily who had been very 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 good before but also there had been something you would where you would have to say okay that that was a little step back there and now he's trying to get a new start at Bayern or something uh and just nothing nothing like that is there uh with Sadio Mane and it's really tough to to think about who else could be like this uh, this important. I mean, if we go back very far, there are a couple of uh, players that might come to mind. Uh, 
big German names, for example, Klinsmann, Matthäus, Effenberg, people like that, maybe. Uh, I guess you could argue that some of those uh, were on that level. But even then, I mean, in between that, I mean, we're, we're talking about we're talking about the 90s. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a, a number of our listeners probably weren't, weren't born when that happened. So, uh, yeah, I, I really struggle to come up with anything quite comparable because we all know that that Bayern has been operating just a bit differently, right? Bayern has always been like this. Bayern has never been the club who would sign the absolute marquee top tier kind of guys at the top of their game that's usually just not what Bayern does and in this case it seems to have worked out right um of course uh, it only probably only worked out because Mane came slightly cheaper because he's not extremely young anymore coming from a guy who's six years older than uh, Sadio Mane but anyway uh so yeah I really think we have to go back to the nineties probably to get a guy of that of that same kind of tier at that same uh stage of his career. And that's def- definitely a statement here. Not that I I mean, not that this whole statement thing should be blown out of proportion. How important is it really? But if we're talking about statement signings, this definitely is one. Yeah, no, I, I agree one hundred percent. You know, it it whether doesn't matter how you look at it, whether you want to frame it as we needed to make a statement signing, which I don't think we necessarily did. Uh, he still is very much a statement signing, like like you said, a player on top of his game. And I think that's what kind of sets him apart because it's been a while since we've seen Bayern sign a player who was, you know, at that peak. We've, we've seen us sign a lot of guys who um, had were approaching that peak, who were on the near or, or near of reaching that peak, I think you know Robert Lewandowski, where they just take another step when they come here. But uh, Sadio Mane is very much at that peak. He's been one of the best players in the world for uh, the better part of the past decade. And so, so we're talking about a player um, on top of his game. You know, Tim, what does what does Sadio Mane, I guess, bring to this squad? We've talked about him a lot over the course of the past month. I don't know how much we've really uh, dived into him. As a player, though, you know, what does he bring to this attack that that Bayern was lacking? There's a well, I think one of my favorite things about him has been his, I guess, the answers in his press conference have just been exactly what it is that we've wanted. Well, certainly what I've wanted for a while, because he was asked, what position are you going to play? And he says, that's up to the coach to decide. And that's that is in my eyes, the best thing that he could bring is this adaptability, this versatility. Because when he joined Liverpool, he was playing out on the right. And then Salah came in and he moved out to the left. And then Diaz came in and he moved through the middle. And he kind of, I think he always looked best on the left. But it's not as, it's not really like as noticeable as, noticeable as say, someone like Leroy Sané on the left versus Leroy Sané on the right. I think the the drop is is certainly there, but it's not as it's not as sizable. I think he's somebody that's been able to like he's shown that he can find solutions no matter what the situation is. Um, I, I remember distinctly remember watching the Champions League final in two thousand and nineteen. I think it was. It was the no, sorry, it was the year before that. It was the Liverpool against Real Madrid one where Salah went off after about 30 minutes or so. 
And I was kind of half expecting, having not watched an awful lot of Liverpool that season, I kind of half expected, oh, without Salah, they've got nothing. Because I, I, I just hadn't, I hadn't done my homework, quite frankly. I was really expecting nothing. But seeing Mane constantly run, trying to, trying to make something an attack, uh, being anywhere that he needed to be. I'm fairly certain he actually got a goal for Liverpool. Just being everywhere that he needed to be in that game, covering every position, because Adam Lallana wasn't a suitable... Like, that. that is a significant drop from Mo Salah to Adam Lallana. So Sané was pulling, like, double and triple duty at points. I think that was that was one of the best individual performances that I had seen. And... Yeah, it was it was three one, but it didn't really look like he ever gave up, and that's that's something that I I would be I'd be really excited to see more of at Bayern. I think he's a great leader. I think I guess we can talk about his personality and like who he is, like as a person and his characteristics. We can talk about that all day. I think he's a fantastic role model, um, but specifically sporting wise. I think Bayern have got somebody that is is just definitely going to elevate this attack. I, I think it, it's almost a bit sad to say it. I think he could potentially be the step up that we all kind of thought Sane was going to bring. Not to say that Sane was just like a huge letdown and, and regressed everything. I do think Sane had his moments and I think he's certainly due to have more moments this season. But I think... I know that I I certainly thought that that partnership of Sane and Gnabry was going to be absolutely perfect. It's going to be like Robin and Ribery again to varying degrees. And then I, I really got it wrong, um, especially in the first season. I think his second season, obviously, uh, was better. But I think what Mane could bring is that level of, okay, we were at a seven, let's take it to a nine, nine and a half. Um, it's it's going to be really good to see, and I'm I'm just I'm thrilled. This is a, this is a huge signing for Bayern. It's a huge signing for German football as well. But thankfully, only one team gets to play him, and that's ours. Yeah. Which is you know it's happy days there. Right, and, and you kind of talked about this a little bit, and then straight away. But I do think it is worth mentioning that he is a player that very much so fits into this club, not only on the pitch um, but off the pitch as well. He's kind of got the Bayern. Uh, mentality, you know, for you know, that word, it is what it is. People hate on it sometimes, but that Bayern mentality, that Mia Sun Mia, or sort of identity built into him um, already. But Sebastian, do you think that by making this signing that Bayern have uh, freed themselves up a little bit in, in terms of the Robert Lewandowski negotiations, do you think that um, despite what some reports may say, do you think Mane almost is at least a pretty big part of that Robert Lewandowski replacement. Do you think he uh, is kind of the player Julian Nogsman wanted or needed to allow him that tactical flexibility? It's like, okay, now we have a, a, a player who maybe isn't a pure goal scorer like Lewandowski, but who can very much fill in that role in a slightly different system. Now we can start to really uh, get in touch with Barcelona and talk about getting Le- Robert Lewandowski out the door. Uh, that will really depend on uh, what we think of, think of when we say Lewandowski replacement. Mm. If you're talking about Lewandowski replacement as the guy who's going to score 40 goals next year, 
or the season uh, to be specific or uh, the guy who's necessarily going to be uh, as the number nine on the on the pitch no that that's probably not necessarily Sadio Mane um if we're talking about a guy who's going to bring bring a lot of uh, his identity here who's going to be a part of what this club is going to be going forward if we're talking about a very important piece of our new offense uh, then probably yes but this is just not exactly the same thing um i think he's he's going to be the focus of a lot of things both both on the pitch and off the pitch uh, a lot of attacks are going to go through him in some shape or form um, and also, the media is going to be very going to be very interested in him. He's going to take take a lot of that attention that had been on Lewandowski and his goal scoring records very recently. So, yeah, in this, he's definitely is the replacement, probably more so than any other guy who's going to come in. Uh, but it, I think there will be another uh, Lewandowski replacement who's going to do the other things for us. That Lewandowski used to do some other guy who's uh, who's able to play uh, the number nine position, uh, who's going to score maybe a lot of goals, not necessarily forty goals, of course. Uh, we have talked about that a bit in, in the past. Mm. So yeah, I think Lewandowski has as a has been replaced to an extent, and uh, this is a signal for me. Or I hope it is a signal, I guess I must say, uh, that Lewandowski is probably on the way out and it allows us to look past the whole Lewandowski situation, I feel. But of course, it cannot be the end of it. Uh, and I really hope, yeah, I really, I really hope that uh, when we keep saying now that uh, we are not even looking at, at those offers from Barcelona, I hope this is just, this is really just tactics right now. It starts to get a bit more worrying, right? At the beginning, uh, I was worrying because uh, this seemed a bit delusional. Then I think we all kind of agreed that, yeah, this is probably just a ne negotiation tactic. But now, since they are still sticking to it, mm, I'm not quite sure anymore. I, I really, I, I really, really hope they they won't completely insist because then things are probably getting a bit crowded, especially uh, if they are still. Um, thinking about keeping Gnabry, maybe get, getting other players in. I just don't think that's going to be very helpful. Robert Lewandowski, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about him every single episode, but we've we've already addressed him, so let's talk about that for a second. Tim, uh, 50 million euros, that's, that's kind of the figure that's being thrown around that Barcelona are at least considering offering Bayern. Of course, the, their latest offer I believe, as the report said, was 35 million euros with a 5 million euros additional add-on on top. But if that uh, 50 million euro offer comes Bayern's way, do you think that could be the uh, the straw that breaks the camel's back with Hassan Salihamidzic and everyone, where they finally say, "Okay, let's let's get this deal over the line"? Yeah, it would have to be. I, I think this, the think the situation is it's 50 million. Just that's it. It has to be 50 million. It can't be, okay, we'll do like 10 here, then 10 here, and then whatever it is. I think it has to be completely full up front. And I think that is I think that is a good decision. I remember speaking about this like a few weeks ago. It's, it's almost embarrassing how long this has been going on for. But I remember we were talking about this and thinking that if there was a, 
if there was an offer that came in between like 30 and 40, like, okay, he's like, he's 33 or 34, however old he is. And like, he's got one year left on his contract, 30 to 40 million. That sounds like a good deal. And now the more I think about it, the more 50, a flat out fee of 50 million euros plus, I think that is, I think that's the right thing to do. And I I do hope that, I do hope this happens. I do hope that um, that Barcelona or whoever it is, I do hope that they cough up the money to say, I don't know how Barcelona would do this because they are so, so bad with their finances. But I hope that they can say, look, here is exactly 50 million euros. You take that, we'll take the guy, and then we just call it a day and we can just wash our hands of this whole situation. Because the longer he stays there, the the louder those echoes of him saying, you know, who would want to go to a club when you get treated like this? But Sadio Mane would, like Masraoui would, Gravenberg would, like all of these great players are there. You then have to just start looking around the locker room, like why aren't you happy here? Like that that can't be a good influence to have. Um, I don't know. I know we're not privy to those sort of conversations, um, thankfully, because I I'd be furious. But I, I do think that that is a that whole situation needs to be resolved as soon as humanly possible. I think if fifty comes in, don't negotiate. Just say, "Yep, thank you. We'll take it. Get him out the door," uh, because it's it's gone on for far too long, and he has said far too many things um, for it to for it to still be an issue. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the the door has to be shut with Lewandowski at this point after everything that he's said, but. Uh, Sebastian, it seemed you said earlier that even with Mane coming in, should Robert Lewandowski leave, you don't think that's quite enough in terms of uh, quote unquote replacements coming in. So I guess the question is, you know, who who is or who else, I guess, comes in as the uh, fill in for Robert Lewandowski? Because it seems that uh, Bayern have kind of cooled their interest on Sasha Kalajic, uh, kind of Sounds like they thought that he would be a good Lewandowski backup, but don't see him capable of filling in a gap should Lewandowski leave. Uh, of course, there's been some some links with uh, Hugo Ekatike as well, but I think he's also, you know, not necessarily the biggest name. So, I mean, if Lewandowski leaves and we still need someone else, but Kalajic isn't a big enough name, you know, who who can come in and fill that gap? Yeah, that's an interesting question, especially now that uh, two other names I think we mentioned uh, a number of weeks ago are completely off the market now, uh, which is Darwin Nunez and Romelu uh, Lukaku. They are both uh, gone by now. I mean, Lukaku, I think it's not completely clear, but I think most sources agree that he's going to be on loan to Inter. Um, so those are no no longer poss- possibilities here so of of the guys we kind of had in mind Schick is maybe still on the market but i do not know um so i will just uh, drop one name that that i like i guess uh, my favorite my favorite idea would probably be Jonathan David you could argue that he's maybe also not the biggest name but he's a bit of a bigger name i would say than uh, either Kalajic or Ikitika are um, because uh, you mentioned that very briefly, I think uh, that what German media has said now is that Kalajic o- o- always only 
was uh, was an option for Bayern as a backup to Lewandowski, uh, and just not big enough of a of a of a player to kind of replace him. So if we if we at, at that point that takes Ekitike of the of the out of the discussion too right because they are i would say about the same kind of tier and yeah jonathan david is a bit of a bigger name uh that guy is 20 22 years old still a quite young guy younger than kalajic older than akitike um he's a more of a physical kind of player a bit taller a bit more muscle to him uh he's a quick guy and Another very positive thing there, of course, would be um, that he knows one of our best players very well. Uh, that's Alfonso Davies, of course. Uh, they, do they don't only have very similar names, but also similar backgrounds. They're both uh, playing for the Canadian national team that has been very good recent recently, thanks in large parts to those two. Uh, I think that could be very interesting, and I think he's probably... The right tier of player because I can I can see a point to saying maybe Kalajic doesn't have enough doesn't have done has uh, didn't do enough yet right I can see that he didn't score so many goals he only played 15 games I think last year so yeah you, you can say maybe I would have to have to see more from him uh, even if I like like him like him a lot and uh, I really like the idea of having a guy who's very good at get getting all those crosses getting all those corner kicks. Mm, yeah, he just doesn't have all the experience that you would want on this level. Uh, and yeah, David is one of the guys for me who brings that. But he's also not a guy who, who could expect to come here and say, okay, I'm going to play 34 games in the Bundesliga. I'm obviously going on going to play all the games in the Champions League and so on because that's not what that's not what we want, right? That's really not what we want. We want to have the option to play Mane as a striker. We want to have the option to mix it up a bit. We want to have different options. Maybe we want to play two strikers sometimes and may, maybe a guy like that will will not ideally fit in there and whatever, right? So we really want to have this flexibility up front. And yeah, I think this is kind of the sweet spot. Not not a guy who needs to play every game, but also a guy who has shown us enough to be confident that he could play all of those games. Oh yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I agree that we don't need someone who wants to play or who I guess will demand to play every single game. Um, I think that doesn't make any sense. We've talked about this before, you know, with Mane coming in. We don't need a like-for-like like Robert Lewandowski replacement. There's not one on the market, but we don't need that guy who's going to come in and and say, hey, I have to play every single game. Uh, we are occasionally going to want to rotate the system. That's what Nagelsmann likes to do, not necessarily always play with the true um, number nine. So in that sense, I guess I like, uh, I do like Jonathan David. I think that's a really good name to bring up. I'm not so sure how much he would cost. Uh, I like Hugo Ekatike a little bit more than Kalajic, also because he offers a little bit more in terms of versatility. Um, but I'm not totally sold on either player. Uh, Tim, I'm wondering if you have maybe a name that you have heard or maybe that that you've thought of that uh, you would like to bring up. Obviously, you know, Rafinha can't play striker. Uh, Renato Sanchez might could, but I doubt he's playing striker uh, for Bayern next season. Do you have a, a name locked away that you, you might would want to see at Bayern? Well, not anymore. <laughs> uh, I... 
I I really like I so my whole thing with Luka Jovic I I don't think that's I don't think that's going to happen and if it did I don't think it would be as as prosperous as I as I hoped it would be um and and that's fine these things happen you live you learn it is what it is I that I guess like that there's like two players that I that I quite like that are quite different but I think could potentially be assets for for Nagelsmann and the squad. The first is uh, Wissam Ben Yedder. I think he's got a great history of just constantly scoring. He he did well in like a he, he did very well for um for Monaco. Uh, severe like less so but he was still you could still see that he had something. So he has that European pedigree. I think as an option just for like the next year or so if you need somebody to put up top and say Okay, when the ball comes to you, get it in the net. I'm sure he could probably do a fairly decent job, um, but that's that's purely thinking as a as a stopgap. In terms of a slightly more long term option, again, I don't really think this is an option. But somebody like Rafael Liao from AC Milan, I think, could potentially be on his way to becoming one of the best players in Europe. I think he's still got a long way to go, and he's still very young. I think he's 22, 23, but he has that versatility of being able to comfortably play out wide, or I think he prefers or is more effective playing on the left wing, which in a sense is a bit ridiculous now because we've got Mane and Sane and we don't necessarily need another one. Um, but I, I think he's he's just as adept as playing through the middle as well. I would, I'd be, I'm really interested to see what his career goes on to become. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that Milan can kind of build on what they did this season and keep something fairly significant going for the next couple of years. Um, but if, if I was to pick anybody from uh, from their team, I think Liao would probably be it. Uh, I, I think he's he's very tall, he's very quick, he's very quick, um, very skillful, great dribbler, very powerful. I think he actually holds the record for the fastest goal in Italian football, hmm. I think. Um so that that's something you could exploit potentially, just start every game. Because Bayern would always concede first. If we have a guy that's known for scoring really, really early, this wouldn't be a problem. I think that's I don't know, maybe maybe that's maybe that doesn't work out. I like but that. I, I think he's Yeah, it's it's perfect. But and then like the two people that have the fastest goals in the Bundesliga are Karim Bellarabi and Kevin Volland who had a really great partnership with Ben Yedder. So, I don't know, maybe that could work. And that goal did come against Bayern as well. So, I don't know. I'm I'm just thinking out loud here. But of of all the players around at the moment, I'd like to see Liao show up at Bayern. I don't think that I also don't think that's how you pronounce his name. But I I I don't think it's possible. But if it if it was, I'd love to see it happen. Yeah, I I would imagine he costs well over 100 million euros at this point after the season that he just had um if i could throw out a name i would maybe like to see us kind of turn uh internally and hold some talks with serge Gnabry and see what he can do playing as a sort of number nine going forward i think that you know he would appreciate that i think that the closer we get him to the center i think the better he performs he is a natural goal scorer so i mean i'm just if we can't necessarily find somebody I would like to see him at least tested in a sort of striker role uh, going forward. Um, well, if you've been keeping up with the news at all this week in, in terms of Bayern Munich, you've probably seen 
uh, Bayern linked with Cristiano Ronaldo. And if there was uh, a need for a statement signing from Bayern Munich, it, it was right there dangling in front of them. Cristiano Ronaldo's agent offered his player to Bayern Munich, and it was confirmed earlier today by Hassan Salihamidzic that, yes, that happened. Bayern talked about it, and they said no, they declined, right? They didn't want Ronaldo at this club. And, and I'm pretty sure I already know the answers that you guys are going to give me for this. But uh, Sebastian, do you think that was the right call? Do you think that, you know, Byron made the right choice by denying uh, Ronaldo for, you know, a season or two? Or do you think that, you know, they could have used him as a sort of stopgap for, for next season, the season after, uh, just to kind of hold us over until, you know, we can develop a younger guy to to take over from Lewandowski? Well, to go with the old Lothar Matthäus thing, maybe as a stopgap for Greenkeeper, yeah, I guess I would be fine with that. But I don't think that that's the budget for Greenkeepers is big enough to, for that signing. Uh, no, uh, it would have been the the most cruel kind of thing that that fate could have thrown at me that I can imagine in terms of in terms of my existence as a Bayern fan to rid me of uh, Robert Lewandowski and then give me. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo instead I would have hated that and I and I think that's nothing that we need we don't need a guy who thinks he's bigger not only bigger but at least twice as big as this club is no we, we absolutely don't need a guy like that we don't need also don't need to get even older uh, some people think seem to think that maybe the worst thing about Mane is that he's not the youngest guy uh, but honestly with him, we are we, we are very likely getting younger. While he's not uh, necessarily very young, he's a he's an important part of us getting younger. So what I really don't need on top of that is uh, a guy who's older than all the other players on the field. No, I, I absolutely don't want that, and I think it's absolutely the right move uh, to to refuse that. Mm, no, uh, I mean. Of course, you can you can argue that in terms of selling selling jerseys or whatever, this might have been a good move or whatever. But I'm really not interested in it. I mean, if if guys only become become Bayern fans because uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is playing here, I don't I don't know that I need those guys. Of course, uh, this is just a fan perspective from the perspective of a club. This looks a lot different. They don't really care who's buying those who's buying those jerseys and. Uh, uh, what what the reason is that they get bigger kind of um, sponsor sponsorship deals or whatever. So I I guess in that in that uh, respect it might have been a good move. But other than that, no no I absolutely don't need that. I don't think uh, uh, the team needs that mentality wise not at all. Uh, Mane is definitely the right the right thing in that direction. So no no not for me. Please no. no. <laughs> well well there's a a part of me that is at least maybe interested to see someone, you know, just of Ronaldo's caliber playing at Bayern Munich. I also would have, you know, mostly despised the move, you know, bringing in someone with, with an ego like his, someone who isn't going to be able to play the the, pre- the high-pressing system that Nagelsmann wants to play uh, on top of, you kind of said it, the fans that Ronaldo brings to the club, I'm not totally sure are the fans that we want to identify uh, as Bayern Munich fans necessarily, and so I'm not totally upset. I guess I would have been maybe half a percent interested to see what would happen, but 99.5% upset that Bayern would have even considered it uh, should they have done so. Uh, Tim, you know, do you have any differing opinions on this, or are you pretty much in agreement? 
No, I'm all for it. I think it would have been good. Yeah, I'm sure. No, I, there there are so many there are so many reasons, sporting and otherwise, as to why having Ronaldo at the club is a bad idea. Don't get me wrong. Objectively, one of the best players ever. I don't. No, that yeah, it's mainly. I can kind of like ignore some of the sporting reasons for the for the whole thing of like, uh, as you said, like it would be pretty cool to see somebody like that, like in the same way that you know Messi to PSG last season. Yeah, he's not the player that he was, but he's still he's still Messi to go from from the team where he was the guy um, to to PSG it's that like that's cool for everybody it would be great to see a player like that come to Bayern but a lot of it a lot of it is the is the non-sporting reasons which I, I don't think we really need to get into I think that's been heavily documented yeah I, th- I think so definitely uh, as well um, well as we kind of start to wrap things up I want to talk about a couple of moves that Bayern have made that really don't uh haven't made too much noise in the media because it's, you know, second team moves, really. It's um, Armando Sieb and Christopher Scott. They've both been, they've both been sold. They're, they're leaving the club. Uh, and so just seeing those moves happening, seeing some of these younger guys being shipped off kind of gets me thinking about a couple of other names, and that's uh, Gabriel Vidovich and uh, Joshua Zerksy as well. And so to kind of tie this in with our whole discussion about Robert Lewandowski and then the striker situation for next season, Sebastian, do you think that there's a chance that we see uh, Vitovich and maybe even Xerxes step up and get a handful of more minutes next season, maybe even be tested out significantly with the first team to see if maybe somewhere down the road, even you know, kind of right now with Xerxes, that they are a realistic option uh, to play as a number nine for this Bayern side? I would definitely say that those two guys uh, are at the right point of their, of their careers that it would be the right time to to give them minutes to try them out uh, because they have already shown that they can do uh, can do things uh Zerkse, of course has already scored a couple of times for the first team uh Vidovic has looked brilliant for the second team so i th- i feel like this this is probably the right time if if you're going to going to uh have anything in those two guys th- now is uh, when you should give them minutes, otherwise it's uh, going to be too late, I feel, and they are probably going to be gone because they are too good to just be on a second team and n- never see a chance to to play for the fir- for the first team. I think they're definitely too good for that. Sergei uh, has shown that in Belgium, and uh, Vidovic has shown that for this for the second team, and they are of course they they are still quite young, but they are also not getting younger. They are only getting better. Uh, and yeah, they're they're going to want to want to get some chances. Mm. Also, depending on who we get, this might be the best opportunity. Uh, could be that we're going to get some kind of stopgap player uh, for the for the number nine position. Could be that we're not even getting anybody there. I think that's also a realistic possibility, as we have talked about. So this could then definitely be the time uh, where they. Where they could see those chances to shine. Of course, it's not guaranteed. Maybe we get in another high-profile striker, and then, of course, it gets significantly less likely. Um, uh, Vidovic is a bit of a different topic there than Zerxe is. 
because I feel like Xerxes is probably only ever going going to play for us as, as a number nine. Uh, with Vidovic, I don't think it's quite that clear. Um, he's definitely a very good option for, for uh, the striker position, but he can also play a bit deeper. He can also play a bit more like a number 10 or a bit of a mix between a number nine and number 10 player. So maybe there's a bit more wiggle room for him. Uh, he's, I think he's also, let me check whether that's correct. He's, yeah, he's also quite a bit younger than, than Cersei is still. So for him, there's probably a bit more wiggle room there, but I feel like for Cersei, it's either now or never, uh, because as I said, he has been looking even better than, than Vidovic and he's not, he's not going to want to ever go back to not playing kind of in a starter role. Like, not necessarily, like, 100%, but he's definitely going to be a guy who at least wants wants to play, like, maybe 70% of the time. Uh, maybe for a club like Bayern it can be a bit less, but he's he's not going to go uh, back to be a kind of, in a kind of a joker role where he's... Go well, <laughs> I guess I need to be more specific since uh, um, <laughs> Nagelsmann kind of made that whole uh, uh, term a bit more blurry. Uh, when I say joker here, I mean a guy who <laughs> comes in uh, uh, typically in an offensive position to score some goals. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to uh, he's going to go back to a role like that for a significant amount of time. If he's not going to get significant minutes, he's going to be gone, and I think that's I think that's fine. He deserves that, uh, and I would at least like the club to uh, see whether that role can be here because I really like him. Yeah, I think I think it's like you said, definitely a make or break type of moment for Joshua Xerxes at Bayern Munich. He's he's got to have he's probably going already having these conversations about, okay, where do you see me next season? And if he's not going to be picking up the minutes he wants, he's going to be pushing for that exit. And so given that we've seen a little bit more from him than we have uh, Vitovic and, and, you know, Xerxes coming off a season where he had 16 goals and nine assists in, in the Belgian league, which isn't astronomical or anything, but it's really good for a, for a player of his age. Tim, do you think that he is the caliber or has the potential still to be uh, of of the Bayern Munich caliber, where he can put in significant minutes and and be a important factor for this team. I'd like to think so. I think the the biggest thing that you could maybe like throw against him about his time at Bayern was that he didn't. It never really looked like he was putting in the effort, and I, I think that was kind of perfectly encapsulated in that moment in preseason where he just kind of waited for the ball to cross over the line and then it got it got cleared. I think that is probably the best thing that could have happened to him because he like that kind of acted as the catalyst for him to go out on loan because there's every possibility that he would have stayed in the squad that season and just done nothing. Like he might not have gotten any minutes, like who knows what would have happened. So I think it was good that he was able to but whether this is the situation or not. I think it was good that he was able to get those those minutes uh, in Belgium, and and also I've I've seen like a couple of clips of what company like of what Vincent Company was like in the locker room, and he he did not hold back. Like he he's screaming at his players, singling out Zerxi, saying like how many times have I told you about your attitude. I think that is the sort of thing that if that happens to you at a young, at such a young age, that can make or break you. 
And I believe, I want to say that happened quite early on in the season. And he went on to have a pretty good season. I think he scored, I think he got like double digits for goals, which is fantastic. Like at any level you can do, because it shows that you can do the basics of that, are, that are asked of you. I think if the fact that he managed to do that and then have like quite a, quite a decent season, that kind of suggests that if he's not ready to take the next step, he's probably not a million miles away from it. I think he's he's willing to put in the work, and in that sense, like I, I think I, I'd probably I imagine Sebastian might agree might agree with this. Where I think I would rather have somebody that's willing to to work really hard and only provide like twelve, thirteen goals a season, rather than somebody that just kind of coasts along and gets thirty odd. Like, yeah, I I love goals. I love seeing players score goals and I love seeing really prolific players. But beyond that, I love seeing the players that put in the work. And I think that Xerxes could be the guy that does that. And so for that reason, I'm really excited about what this preseason has in store for him. Because this is a great audition for him. He's coming in essentially with a clean slate. And like, no one has to remember... Oh, Jumanji, like who saw that thing where he didn't let, where he just waited for the ball to go in. This is a completely fresh opportunity for him. He's still so young. He's clearly got the talent. I think if he can sort out the work ethic, I think he'll be completely fine and could go on to become a really valuable member of the squad. I don't know if he's the guy to get 25, 30 goals a season, but I think he could be a guy that could be someone chipping in here and there. And that's that's what makes a really good squad. Hmm. No, and and I would add if if that's how the Bayern board, if that's how Nogsman, if that's how Brazzo, if that's how um, Oliver Kahn, whoever you want to throw in there, if that's how they see Xerxes, then it does make sense that they've kind of cooled their interest on Sasha Kalajic, that they're not necessarily pushing very strongly for a striker because it would make sense to say, okay, we've got Xerxes waiting. We've got uh, Vitovic waiting. We don't know what Serge Gnabry can even do uh, in the center. Let's give this some time. Let's let the, the market kind of settle. Let's go into the preseason, see how this all looks with Nagelsmann. And if it turns out we need to bring in somebody to, you know, kind of fill in for Lewandowski once he's gone and we realize it's it's not going to work so well without him, then we can do that. But uh, for now, let's let's test the options that we have. And so, at least to me, it kind of seems like that's, that's the approach they're taking. Uh, but that's all the time that we have for this episode today. Um, If you've enjoyed listening or if you're a regular fan of the podcast and you haven't done this already, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review. Uh, We'd greatly appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with us, there are a few ways that you can do that. You can email us at superbyronpod at gmail.com, or you can follow us over on Twitter at superbyronpod and keep up to date with us there. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're probably going to be there. As always, thank you for listening. Go out and tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next time. (laughs) 